You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. In our masterclass today, we are talking about whiskey and we're joined by Valentin Maseko, brand ambassador from Whiskey Brother & Co. Is it Valentin or Valentine? Valentine. Valentine's Day. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming through and joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us very quickly what Whiskey Brother & Co. does. So Whiskey Brother & Co. Uh, started off as just Whiskey Brother. Yes. Uh, just specializing in everything whiskey yes because the selection of whiskey in sa seemed to be a little bit you know uh you know too low yes uh there were not a lot of uh variants mm. and then uh, with that in mind you know that was when whiskey brother was then conceptualized mm. you know to actually bring in some of those niche brands that are not all were not present at that particular time yes so for the person who doesn't know like myself i'm a clear spirit drinker when i see something brown i will usually call it the first thing in my head which could be brandy could be cognac could be whiskey how should i know which is which so the 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 difference is very simple you know uh brandy starts off as wine you know brandy vein bent wine brana vein yes yes that's bent wine and yes. then whiskey starts off as, you know, beer, if I can put it in simpler terms. So you need to make beer first. The only difference is that the, the beer that you make for whiskey will not contain hops because hops are used more as, as a preservative. Yes. So back in the day when people were making a whiskey and before it was called whiskey, it used to be referred to as ishkapacha. Wow. When loosely Why? translated, it means the water of life. It's Gaelic. Uh, yes. Uh, for for the water of life, because when you look at the production of whiskey, it all goes all, all the way back into the early 1100s, where yes. distillation, you know, trickled from China into Arabia, and then it made its way into Europe. And then the monks were the ones who knew the art of distillation. Yes. You know, uh, because they were the uh, pharmacists or doctors of that time. Mm. But then, with the dissolution of monasteries, then you find now the public then learns how to make whiskey and it made sense for them to turn their surplus crop you know mm. into whiskey so they used to make ale yes and then in order for you to preserve that ale you'd have to add hops but then uh, when they learned the art of distillation so now it made sense for them to actually distill uh, that surplus crop and then they would make whiskey but then the whiskey that they used to drink back then it wasn't as refined as what we're drinking because they hadn't found the art of uh, um, maturation. They mm. hadn't even discovered maturation. So it used to be a very clear white spirit. Mm. Then they would have to mix it with honey and botanicals and mm. the like to make it drinkable. That's when now where you get your uh, liqueurs. Yes, yes, yes. So just in terms of the distilling process, how could you best explain what, what that process looks like? All right, so I'm going to talk about single malt, right? So w when people talk about single malt, um, you know, in certain circles, some people believe that single malt is the most superior of whiskies, uh, which for me, it's not really the, 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 the truth because uh, single malt only means that it's whiskey that has been made from 100% malted barley and comes from a singular distiller. There's somebody listening who's now embarrassed because he's been telling his friends that the best is single malt and then you just dispelled 
that whole belief that he had. I, I think, you know, that will help that particular someone to actually venture out and actually taste blended whiskies. Because uh, blended whiskies, you know, truth be told, they outsell single malt by miles. Mm. I can safely say that 90% of global whiskey sales are actually blended whiskies. Because mm. me and you will not drink enough single malt to keep these distilleries running. But yes. blenders will buy enough to go and blend. You know, yeah, so coming back then to what you were, you know, you were explaining the single malt story because of the distill, dist, is it called distillation, distillation process? Yes. yes, the distillation process. All right, so uh, we're just going to make, you know, whiskey in about 10 or 15 seconds, right? Yes. So um, how you make single malt? So when barley gets stored in silos, it's stored at about 15 degrees uh, Celsius with a moisture level of about 12%. So you need to raise that moisture in the barley in order for it to start to germinate. Because during germination, there's an enzyme mm. that is responsible for converting our starch into soluble sugars. Because we need starch, the maltose, mm. that we then convert using yeast into alcohol. So that barley then gets soaked in water for about 48 hours mm. until the moisture level comes up to about 45 percent mm. and then if it was back in the day that barley then would be taken out of that water and then laid out in a room like this but bigger called yes. the molting flows mm. and then the barley would be let's say about 30 centimeters high and then there would be people tending to that barley tending it constantly because as it starts to germinate there is heat that gets produced mm. so you need to open it up to let it aerate Mm. And then you also need to prevent it from tangling up and becoming a huge green carpet yes. as it shoots. So those guys will be tending the floor, um, will be using wooden shovels called shields. And, you know, because some people have a dominant arm, some would develop a shoulder bigger than the other. Mm. It was an ailment that was nicknamed the monkey shoulder. Wow. You know? Yeah. And then, um, now, then that barley then gets... Uh, moved to a place where it's going to be dried called a kiln and then in the kiln that is the first stage where you decide on the style of whiskey that you're going to make mm. are you going to make pitted whiskey or unpitted whiskey and so, what's the difference so when we're talking about pitted whiskey we're talking about the whiskeys that exhibit that lovely smoky knot you know um i think the best way to ex to to explain it is to say uh you know smoked fish and smoked fish mm, mm. so uh peat is semi carbonized vegetation that has been used you know in scotland for centuries mm. so they would use that to dry the barley and then it imparts some smoke so depending on where the peat comes from then that peat you know impregnates the barley with a bit of flavor yes yes and then now when you now uh when you mill that barley in order to extract the sugars from that barley, the barley gets milled uh, to a ratio of about 70% of the bigger pieces, which are called the, the grits. 20% will be the husk. Mm. And then, you know, some flour, you will get some flour eventually, which is about 10%. Yes. And then that goes through what is known as the mashing process, whereby hot water is introduced we agitate the mixture and then we strain out a sugary liquid called wort. Mm. And then the wort gets transferred into fermentation tanks and then the yeast is introduced. And then after the yeast has done its work, 
we're sitting with the distiller's beer, which will be between 7 and 8% alcohol by volume. Yeah, there's a lot to take in when it comes to the science of making whiskey. We'll continue with this masterclass when we come back. But send through your questions on 0727021702 or find me on Twitter at Rilebkhile. And alternatively, give us a call 011 880702. 702 Masterclass. In our masterclass today, we are talking about whiskey and we're in studio with Valentine Masek or brand ambassador for Whiskey Brother and Co. And I'd like to find out from all of you, are you whiskey drinkers? Let us know. What do you love about whiskey and which for you do you consider as the superior whiskey and why? Give us a call on 011-883-0702. Send us a WhatsApp 072-702-1702. So, when you were obviously explaining this whole process, it, it does sound sim- similar to something we are very familiar with at home. Mkombodi. Yes. 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 So what, what, are the, what would you say the similarities are with the two processes? So the similarities uh, come in, you know, during the malting process. Because if you're making mkombodi, um, then you need to take the sorghum. You also need to soak it in water. Yes. And then it needs to germinate. So that whole process is the same up and until the stage where then you are making the beer. Yes. But then now it differs now uh, when now you take the beer for malt production and then you distill it. Mm. So with single malt, it c- can only be distilled in copper pots. So the production of single malt whiskey has been tied to legislation since about 1644. Mm. Because... The UK government realized that there was money to be made. There was good revenue to be collected from people who were making whiskey. Yes. So it has been tied to, to you know, legislation. So part of that legislation stipulates that single malt can only be distilled in copper pots. Wow. So what were the alternatives that were being used? So there is another uh, contraption which is called a column steel and mm-hmm. it's sometimes referred to as a coffee steel or a continuous still. Mm. And thus, uh, a process of distillation was invented in about 1813 by a, a French man by the name of Jean-Pierre Blumenthal. And then it was further perfected by a Scottish man by the name of Robert Steen. Yes. And then further uh, perfected by an Irishman by the name of Anias Coffee. And then he, he took out a patent on that still. So sometimes they will refer to it as a patent still. This is the most efficient way of distilling whiskey. But the downside is that it actually strips away a lot of flavor from the whiskey spirit. Yes, yes. So you can basically distill whiskey 24 hours a day, seven days a week in column stills. Mm. Right now, as we're speaking in Scotland, there's about seven distilleries that produce grain whiskey. But then there's really nothing romantic about the grain distilleries because there are more factories than distilleries. Mm, mm, you know? mm. Whereas when you visit, when you get to visit a, a single malt producing uh, uh, operation, you, know, you find these big, beautiful copper pots. Yes. Sometimes they will even go through the trouble of actually polishing them and making them look beautiful. Yes. You see, because copper will oxidize during use. Yes. And then the interesting thing about this whiskey making people is that sometimes when a copper pot has got a dent on, on the side, 
when they you know do get to a point where they need to replace because with more and more use the copper becomes thinner and thinner yes. so part of the reason why they use copper is because it also conducts heat very well mm. but mm. then they will eventually need to replace and when they do replace they will replicate that dent that is on the site because oh, wow. they, they have a belief that that dent has got uh, uh you know qualities that it adds to their whiskey so wow. it's a bit of science and magic mixed, yes you know in all together production. so um mavericks vax on twitter is asking saying ask the gentleman there why then are single malts more expensive if they are rubbish i do find them more smelly and dry blends are my poison another person um says uh, kevin says i'm that embarrassed guy but i still believe single malt is superior because it's more expensive and blended whiskey tastes bad so the reason why single malts are more expensive than blended whiskies is because of the production process. Mm. And then barley itself is a lot more expensive compared to other grains. Mm. So there are four grains that are favored in whiskey production, barley, corn, wheat, and rye. Mm. And when you actually look at production, it's got a, a lot to do with geography and economics as well. You know, when you cross the, the Atlantic into the Americas, you will notice that they use a lot of corn in the production of mm. their whiskey because corn grows very well in warm yes. climates. So it makes sense to use what you have, you see. So single malt uh, it can only be made from barley, like I said earlier. Mm. Barley is more expensive than corn. It's going to be more expensive than wheat. And then the process as well. Single malt is produced in a batch process. Mm. So you have to make your batch. You shut down your stills. You wait for them to cool down. You clean them and then you have to start afresh. Mm, so, so it can't be continuous and it's, ongoing. Yes, it's yeah. more costly to produce single malt. Yes. yes. But you but in essence what you are saying is single malt is not superior. Even though fine it's using the more expensive of grains, it's a more expensive uh, process that the blends are the ones that do better and you consider them superior. So you see, uh the thing is um, maybe let me put it that way, this way. Whiskey is more of an individual thing, mm. right? Because you might put a flight of whiskeys here from the same distillery, from a 12-year-old all the way to a 40-year-old. Mm. And then you taste all of them. And then you will notice that you actually prefer the 12-year-old over the 40-year-old. Mm. You're obviously going to pay more for the 40-year-old because... As whiskey sits in a cask, mm. you know, we're literally drinking liquid history because when a bottle of whiskey says to you that it is 40 years of age, it means that it has been slumbering in a maturation warehouse for mm. a minimum of 40 years. Wow. And then as it sits in that maturation warehouse, in cooler climates like Scotland, they lose an average of 2% per annum to the atmosphere. Mm. And they call it the angel's share. So the longer that sit, that bottle sits, because it's it's more compounded, the yes. longer it sits, the more they lose. So they are essentially charging you f for that as well. But then you might find you actually prefer that younger version of that whiskey over the 40-year-old. The, the so it is an individual thing, right? So you can enjoy your blended whiskeys. And someone else will enjoy their single malt. But what I'm saying is that 
blended whiskies are much more easier on the palate, mm. much more easier on the pocket. That is why they outsell single malt any yes. time of the day. All right, let's play a voice note. We might have already answered this question. Hi there. Um, a not so clever question, I guess. Tell me, <laughs> if a whiskey say is 12 years old, uh, 18 years old, what does it mean? I mean, really, what, what does that mean? You know, some guys say I drink 12, 18, and so on and so forth. Is it like 12 years of brewing or... 12 years old, so if I keep a whiskey for, say, a 12-year-old whiskey, if I keep it for six years in my, in my, in my, um, somewhere in my cupboard there, it, does it become an 18-year whiskey now? You know, uh, just clarify for me that. That's a very good question because I think many people don't actually know because it might not necessarily be the same as wine. So help us understand that the eight-year that you, you buy what was it doing for eight years that it makes it an eight year or 12 year? And then if you're sitting with that 12 year, can you hold on to it for 10 years? Then it becomes a 22 year whiskey. Okay. So unlike wine, whiskey will not age in a bottle. Yes. So once it's been bottled, then the aging process has stopped. Mm. But then when you find a bottle of whiskey saying to you that it is 12 years of age, with the 12 written on the label of the bottle. What it means is that the youngest drop of whiskey inside that bottle has been sitting in a maturation warehouse inside of a cask for 12 years. Mm. There is older whiskey in there. There is 13-year-old whiskey in there. There is 14-year-old whiskey in there. As much as it says single malt, they will blend different barrels together to achieve a consistent flavor profile mm. so that when you taste your favorite single malt whiskey today, three years down the line, there's still a level of consistency. You can still identify with that whiskey. Mm. Mm. So you can keep a bottle for 10 years. Nothing will happen to it because it's not going to age. But the good thing about whiskey is that whiskey has got a longer shelf life. You can keep a bottle of whiskey for the next 50 years. You'll still be able to drink it after 50 years. All mm. you need to do is you just keep it in a cool, dark place away from direct heat sources. So in terms of, you know, the, the value of whiskey, you know, it is, can it be considered an asset? Because I know we spoke about um, uh, previously about wine collections being, you know, where some people could be keeping their money and investing. Uh, could that be a consideration when it comes to whiskey? Yes, definitely. Uh, a lot of people are currently uh, making, you know, some ridiculous amounts of money from whiskey mm. because they, some, you know, had the foresight of keeping certain bottles of whiskey and they were now able to, you know, resell them now and, you know, make some good money. Mm. Some were, you know, fortunate enough to inherit, you know, certain bottles of whiskey that are currently in demand. Mm. I mean, for instance, Japanese whiskey, you know, uh, the world is so thirsty for Japanese whiskey that uh, the Japanese can't even keep up with production. Really? And nowadays, most of the Japanese whiskeys that you'll find in retail stores are what you call non-age stated whiskeys, where the whiskey 
uh, will just have a name and it doesn't tell you how old mm. it is. So with non-age stated whiskies, the approach now is more about the flavor profile and no longer about the age. Mm. Because once you put an age on a bottle of whiskey, you need to commit to that. Meaning? So once you say your whiskey is 12 years of age, mm. it means that you need to make sure that the youngest drop of whiskey in that bottle it's has 12. been sitting for 12 years. Oh, I understand what you're saying. So there are whiskey police. They're called the Scotch Whiskey Association. Oh, wow. Which was founded in 1942. And its goal is to protect and promote the interests of Scotch whiskey across the globe. Because everyone else who makes whiskey, you know, they are using the Scottish template of making whiskey. Mm. But the interesting thing is that the Irish are actually the ones who started making whiskey a lot longer than uh, the Scots. But when the Scots learned the art, they took to it with more enthusiasm. They were more committed. That's why they're now the popo. Let's quickly take a break by going to Eyewitness News headlines, but we'll pick up right where we are leaving this. Odoba 1-883-0702. We continue with our master class on whiskey when we come back. 702. Coming up at 10 past 5. The newsmaker of the day. With John Bowman. Whiskies, where the whiskey uh, will just have a name and it doesn't tell you how old mm. it is. So with non-age stated whiskies, the approach now is more about the flavor profile and no longer about the age. Mm. Because once you put an age on a bottle of whiskey, you need to commit to that. Meaning? So once you say your whiskey is 12 years of age, mm. it means that you need to make sure that the youngest drop of whiskey in that bottle it's has 12. been sitting for 12 years. Oh, I understand what you're saying. So there are whiskey police. They're called the Scotch Whiskey Association. Oh, wow. Which was founded in 1942. And its goal is to protect and promote the interests of Scotch whiskey across the globe. Because everyone else who makes whiskey, you know, they are using the Scottish template of making whiskey. Mm. But the interesting thing is that the Irish are actually the ones who started making whiskey a lot longer than uh, the Scots. But when the Scots learned the art, they took to it with more enthusiasm. They were more committed. That's why they're now the popo. Let's quickly take a break by going to Eyewitness News headlines, but we'll pick up right where we are leaving this. Odoba 1-883-0702. Masterclass. And in our masterclass today, we are talking whiskey. No, we have not sampled yet. Okay, we only drink before the show on a Friday for our food feed. <laughs> but back to the whiskey conversation, we're getting so many messages. So I want to jump straight to those. O double one double eight three o seven o two and the WhatsApp line o seven two seven o two one seven o two. One message says, and some of the questions obviously speak about specific brands. But before before we even jump to that, John was men- mentioning. Ice. Are you a purist and do you believe ice truly ruins whiskey or do you think people need to use the whiskey rocks that you can keep in the freezer? Um, what, is, what are your views that should it just be straight and that's it? You know, when it comes to whiskey, there's a difference between tasting whiskey and drinking whiskey. Mm. So if you really want to taste whiskey and you want to pick up the flavors that the master distiller 
meant for you to to be able to actually you know get in the drink yes the best way is to drink the whiskey neat yes because once you add ice to whiskey you you actually inhibit the whiskey from giving you its fullest flavors mm. and then you're no longer getting all of those lovely uh, flavors coming through because look at whiskey as a molecule when molecules get cold they contract yes so Drinking whiskey with ice is the equivalent of eating cold food. Yeah. But, Deep. but, but, you know, uh, uh, with that being said, you know, um, getting to a point where you drink whiskey neat is a journey. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just like with coffee. You know, you start drinking your coffee with sugar and you get to a point where you've, you're now putting two teaspoons and you get to zero. Mm. So it's the same thing with whiskey. So it becomes an acquired taste and, and flavor because it can feel overbearing and overpowering. Yes. Okay, I got you, I got you. All right, let's quickly go to Rock in Parktown. Hi, Rock. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for receiving my call. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say some brand of whiskeys, but I'm... Yes, it's relevant to the conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, Ballantyne, if you look at the code of Ballantyne, is B374. And then when you look at the code of uh, Jameson, it's also B374. Other whiskey, like uh, um, Johnny Walker, is uh, Johnny Walker Black, is uh, B28. What is the difference between those codes? Hmm. So those are the importer codes. Um, the reason why Ballantines and Jameson share the same B code is because those are products that are from uh, Peno Ricard. So that is their importer oh, code. Oh, as in the housing brand Peno Ricard that does... Um, yes. Don't they do that beef eater? They yes. do a couple... Okay, I yes. got you. Yes. So, so each and every importer has to have a code. If you look at the locally produced whiskies they actually have an a cord so next time when you have a chance and you you are at your liquor retailer just look at three ships you'll see three ships will have an a cord but anything that comes from outside the country has a b cord mm. so those are just importer cords mm, mm. that makes complete sense thank you so much rock and park town for that question simon uh, asks he says hi talking whiskey i think the weekend is just too far I feel like getting myself a bottle of Glenfiddich, 12-year-old. I haven't had whiskey since December last year. Thanks for the educational topic, is what they say. Another one says, most of my friends prefer Glenfiddich 15 than 18. Is there a reason for that? So the reason might be uh, due to the different types of casks that are used in the maturation of those particular whiskies. Yes. Because, you know, when they make whiskey, uh, you know, they will have a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 21-year-old. To actually mature all those whiskies in just one type of cask, you know, um, it really won't make sense. So in order for those whiskies to be different, then they will mature them in different casks so that they add different characteristics to those whiskies, so that if you like the 12-year-old because it's been matured solely in American bourbon casks, mm. and then you like those uh, cinnamon, uh, honey, pear, apple nuts, mm. and then when you get to the 15, then things get a little bit richer because of the introduction of your sherry barrels. Mm. 
So that that is what uh, uh, you know makes the whiskey different, you know, from twelve to fifteen to eighteen, mm. because they have used different types of cask in the maturation regimen, so that the whiskey becomes different and not bland and boring. Because now, if if just gets matured in one type of cask, then you're basically drinking the same whiskey but an older version of it. If you're going for an eighteen-year-old, yes. So in essence, you know, people shouldn't judge one another for taking the younger versions because it's more about flavor profile and preference than it is about the wine mentality that the older, the more expensive, the better. Yeah, at the end of the day, it comes down to what I prefer. Yes, yes. Um, a message says, how I wish my husband and his buddies were listening to this whiskey masterclass. Joe, they, the way they go on about single malt this and single malt that, I think they can learn something from this and save themselves some money that comes from Rose. Steve is asking, what is meant by kissing the serpent in terms of Scotch whiskey? So this, this is a term, uh, that comes from, you know, um, when you add whiskey, uh, sorry, water to your whiskey, yes, it's actually called releasing the serpent. Mm. So, um, you know, unlike adding ice, when you add water to your whiskey, you are actually reducing the alcohol strength, and then you're making the whiskey a little bit more palatable for your palate. So as in room temperature water, yes. to be specific. So yes. because you already explained about the issue of the temperature if you're using ice and what it does uh, using the molecule scenario. Yes. yes, so room temperature water. So the best way uh, for me, what I personally do is I will use a teaspoon. If I pour myself a double and then I find that the alcohol is a little bit too much for my palate because mm. you know whiskey will come at different alcohol volumes yes. all the way from 40 percent which is the flow mm. and all the way to 60 which is or 70 percent alcohol by volume yes you know some people enjoy the high the high alcohol whiskeys because what happens is that the higher the alcohol volume the more flavorful the whiskey mm. tends to be you know for some people they might think that whoa this thing is at 70 percent it's going to be hot. Mm. But contrary to the facts, it's actually going to be more flavorful because mm. it carries flavors a lot better with the high alcohol. Mm. We learn every day we are being schooled on whiskey in this masterclass on whiskey. Last chance when we come back. Last round, let me say. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two and the WhatsApp line O seven two seven oh two one seven oh two. Seven oh two Masterclass. 12 minutes at 2, 3 o'clock. We are continuing with our master class on whiskey, 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. We've got Sean in Hurlingham. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good, good. Go ahead. Good, good. I just want to find out what's the difference between a bourbon and a whiskey. I know that bourbons are American and whiskeys are Scots, but I mean, aren't they basically the same thing anyway? So, Sean, uh, bourbon is whiskey, and the other whiskies cannot qualify to be bourbon because bourbon can only be made in the United States of America from a mash of minimum 51% corn. And then you can then... Oh. And, Sean, it's bourbon. Bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Bourbon. (laughs) All right, and and that's so fascinating that... um, 
Because obviously we will be so exposed to the media speaking about Berber. I never knew that it's the same thing, pretty much. All right, let's quickly go to the voice notes that are coming through. We've got so many because you guys like to drink. Hi there. Um, a not so clever question, I guess. Tell me. Apologies, we did get the answer to that one, and that was uh, around the age of the whiskey. Here's another one. Hi, good afternoon, uh, with your guest in the studio. Uh, my name is Brian. I don't know if I joined in a little late. I wanted to find out the difference between single malt and du- uh, double malt. Uh, can can this you know the the guest explain, please? Thank you. So we didn't actually talk about double malt. We just spoke about single malt being the expensive one that every everyone thinks is superior. Yeah. So uh, Brian, just to answer your question, right? Um, so first of all, there is not double malt. Uh, they are referred to as blended malts. So what it means is that when you take two or more single malt whiskies from different distilleries and you bring them together, then you have created a blended malt. Mm. Because single malt, as I said earlier, means that it is malt whiskey coming from a singular producer. So if you have two producers now producing single malt and then Brian, let's take yourself, you know, you like whiskey to a point where you turn it into a business and then you go to distillery A and distillery B, you take their single malt. The minute you mix them together, you have created a blended malt. Oh, okay. I got you. Thank you so much for that question. Charmaine in Crosley. Hi. Hi, I mm. just like to know, um, I have a 750ml bottle of, uh, it's a limited edition of the Bell Single Malt Whiskey. It's 22 years old this year. Um, would he maybe know the value of the whiskey or who could I be in touch with to find out? Mm, thank you for that question, and I think the the answer will really apply to all the people who think that they might be sitting on something possibly valuable. Is that bells uh, in the porcelain decanters? No, it's not in the porcelain. It's, it's in a glass. It's a fancy-shaped glass bottle. It came with. It comes in the box. I've never opened it, so it's all still a hundred percent sealed. It's it's a see-through box um, because, like I say, it's a fancy shape, and it's a seven fifty ml bottle. And it says on the uh, limited edition single malt whiskey bells. Um, obviously, it was made in 1999, so like I said, it's 22 years old. It was made for the millennium. It should say uh, blended whiskey, and if I remember correctly, it has a silver top. Uh, offhand, I don't have it in front of me. You might be right, but it's a very fancy bottle, and yes. there was not a lot of them that was brought into the country. Yes, so that would be an eight-year-old Bells, um, so it hasn't aged it might have a, a, a you know a collection value because it was something that was bottled in the 90s but off the top of my head i won't be able to you know uh to let you know how much it's going to be but you can get hold of us at uh, whiskey brother and co in hyde park and we'll be able to assist fantastic thank you so much Charmaine. let's go to another voice note uh good day 702 Jablani from Watville, Limpinone. My question is like, how do I differentiate in the test of whiskey 
brandy and cognac so if someone had to give it me maybe and say close my eyes i wouldn't know because i think they all taste the same mm. thank you so what are those distinguishing flavors that one should look out for to know which is which so brandy and cognac i can uh you know say they are basically cousins they just have different addresses <laughs> you know because um they are all made from grapes mm. there's just a specific type of grape called uni blanc that they use for the uh production of cognac and then cognac has to come from a specific region so it's something to do with uh geographical indication you know, just like scotch. For scotch to be scotch, it has to come from Scotland. Mm, mm. So cognac has to come from cognac in France. And then the other producers that then make the same style of drink, then they have to call it brandy. Mm. Right. So when you drink brandy, if you've drank enough brandy and you've drank enough whiskey, there are subtle nuances that you pick up in the brandy that makes it different from whiskey. So... For me, I think it's just, uh, um, you know, experience, if I can put it that way. The more whiskey you have drank or the more cognac or brandy you have consumed, you are able to tell even in your sleep, even from just nosing it, Mm, mm, mm. you will be able to tell that this is brandy or this is whiskey. Please now don't go start drinking whiskey the whole weekend and cognac and brandy just to figure it out. Thank you so much for that question. Freddie in Midrand, hi. Hello, how are you? Good, Good, thanks, and you? Good, man. I just wanted to say that this is not a prank, but I have not had any alcohol in my entire life. I'm 57 Ah. years old. Ah, (laughs) Ah, Freddie. (laughs) <laughs> Freddie, if you were drinking to... Silalo at church, what do they call Silalo? The blood no, no, of no, no, Jesus no, no, no. you no, drank. No, no, no. Great juice. At church, great juice. <laughs> great juice. <laughs> yes. So what do you want to know, Freddie? I want to know if I, I want to start, but I need to know where do I start. Why do you want to start, Freddie, if I may ask? Because you're enjoying it and so much. You always talk about your red wines and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so where to start if you are a complete alcohol virgin? Virgin. My question to Freddie would be, uh, do you have a sweet tooth? Excuse me, I didn't hear that. Do you have a sweet tooth? Um, Not, uh, yeah, I have a sweet tooth. If something is not sweet, then I, I won't I won't even attempt it because I I don't think I will be able I, I, I detest even, you know, the alcohol free beers that I that I tried, you know, it, it the taste was, was so awful, it was so bad that I just decided, you know, let me just keep on staying away from it. So I have a I have a sort of a sweet tooth yet. Uh so my advice will then be uh start with whiskey-based cocktails or just cocktails in general? Mm, Freddie, you're going to get drunk because of the sugar and everything. But thank you so much for that question because we've run out of time. What are your final thoughts? And such a pity, so many questions that came through for you. People especially want to know what your personal recommendations are for the best single malt and the best blend that you would recommend. But again, I know it's difficult to answer. So maybe just say what your preference is and why. My, one of my favorite whiskeys is actually bourbon. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people bourbon. 
whenever people you know come across uh, me and then they ask me what whiskey do I like and then when I say bourbon you know um it's it, I think for them it looks strange because they'll be thinking I might say scotch yes but I I will drink indian whiskey I will drink taiwanese whiskey because I am exposed to a lot of this whiskey and most of those people are not trying to make scotch whiskey they are making whiskey using what they have at their disposal so if you don't get to try those kind of whiskies you'll miss out and you'll never know what indian whiskey tastes like yes yes so i i think we just have to take away the blinkers and you know we try everything give everything a chance give everything a fair chance how can we get in touch with whiskey brother and co for those that want to get all their whiskey questions in and also maybe get their whiskey bottles that could be collectibles evaluated so we are based in Hyde Park corner and we have a social media page we are on Facebook Instagram and on Twitter thank you so so much um i look forward to tasting what you've brought <laughs> when we come from the ad break. Thank you so much. This masterclass on whiskey with Valentine Maseko, brand ambassador for Whiskey Brother & Co.